Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Real Sports Guys, where real guys talk real sports. RSG, Really Gay Radio. It's your host, Marcus, the game changer. In the house. One. Here to hold you down this evening. As we You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. And for that, we appreciate the pay. Allow me to introduce my comrades. The other two thirds of the electric three man booth, the guys that make this thing go. My man, PhD. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Got a lot of good stuff to discuss. It's been uh, it's been a while since we've been on the show, close to a month, I think. So I'm uh, really looking yeah. forward to be back on the air. Yeah, we 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 shift, we're shifting the format a little bit rethinking some things, and trying to make sure we deliver quality product to the fans out there every single time we step on the mic. The mics are live in here. The mics are nice, as always. We are the people's champion of sports radio, so we're going to keep it tight, and we're going to get it going. Um, this portion of the show is called the Intro to Let You Know. This is where we give you a quick rundown of all the things that we have in store for you tonight. So with no further ado, my man and drop the beat. I like that. A little gang star. We'll go ahead and get into it. Alright? So first off, we got two topics to hit in the funky editorial. The first is the Atlanta Hawks owner is selling his team voluntarily after making some comments about race in an email in two thousand and twelve. We don't get into that. We got we kinda gotta break that down a little bit for the listeners out there. We're also gonna touch on the breaking news with the Ray Rice situation. Um, Ray Rice has been released from the Baltimore Ravens and suspended indefinitely from the NFL. Um, we're going to talk about that after being suspended for two games previously. So that's something we're going to get into in the funky editorial. We're going to break both of those down. Then we're going to start to recap week one NFL action. Uh, we have a lot to get through week one with a really exciting week. Glad to have football back. Fantasy football is going we're going to get into that as well, talking about fantasy football. Then we're going to finish up with some ECA football talk, talking about the Final Four format, uh, the different conferences. There's five major conferences, but only four spots. We're going to give you the real sports guys' perspective on who should get in, which conferences should have a representative, and which conference right now it looks like they're going to be on the outside looking in um, as far as the strength of their conference, which is going to play a major role in this new system. So let's go ahead and get into it like we always do. I'm going to bring in the guys, and we're going to get jumping. We're going to get rolling. We're going to get this thing going. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, yes, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, 
you my money and nobody else will, will remember me for this, you know, a week or a year from now. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that, man, and I like that take. And that's the kind of the take I had on the situation. You know, why not bow out for a cool 1.5 bill? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I bow too. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't seem like there's a ton to be pissed off about in this particular email. Um, now, Danny Ferry came out, and they, they kind of, I don't know what's going on with the Atlanta Hawks organization. You know, they got they got more leaks than a soggy diaper. Um, but they just, something is falling out of the organization right now, and information is getting leaked all over the place. And I guess Danny Ferry said some things that I would find a little bit offensive um, about Lou Aldang. Um, and those comments were, were way more out of line, in my opinion, than what Levinson is being as reported saying in this particular email. Um, I just have to, it, it pushes me to the point to ask the question, why are folks so sensitive um, around talking about race? Because it seems to me that's all Levinson is doing is, you know, as a businessman, you're trying to figure out why your, your product is is producing the way it's producing. And I think he's just having – honestly, who should be offended by these comments? I feel like Southern White should be more offended. He's kind of getting it done more than anything. He's not really saying anything necessarily negative about black people except for Southern White people don't feel comfortable around them, which is probably true. What do you think, Will? Yeah, um, I mean, I think this is a more difficult one because it creates the slippery slope that Cuban was talking about. Because, um, yeah, I, I, probably, I have more problems with various comments um, than uh, Levinson's, but the problem is now you have the bookends of the scale for how you evaluate it. And so since this one is kind of out there, then what else do you have? Because I'm sure there are, there are owners who are somewhere in the middle. And so um, an honest conversation about race, I mean, I think NBA has always uh, created and situated that discussion because of its strong connection to hip-hop music in urban environments, much more so than NFL. So race – I think it's been more prominent in NBA discussions, probably more so than any other league. And and then you have Atlanta, which is a a, a community, and it's interesting because of the the, the number of uh, of uh, African American professionals in Atlanta, even how they're talking about. Because my understanding is, it's not about the high end seats. A lot of it is about the mid range seats affordability, and you 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 have. Even without Southern whites, you have enough capacity with the black community to fill those seats. The problem is your transient community. So how do you market in that problem? Atlanta's always had problems because everybody moves there, but nobody's from there. So there's a whole bunch of, you know, the discussion to me wasn't sophisticated enough because it should have been about how do you build a brand in the transient community, regardless of race. You know, I think Miami has some of those issues. So how do you actually build a brand when that's not really your hometown? Why should they care about you? I think those are the issues that you would hope they would be able to get to. But it seems like, you know, we've all been to Atlanta. Atlanta has a, a, a big enough professional, I mean, people with disposable income to pay for those tickets for Falcons or 
for uh, uh, Hawks and to be a part of that. But even when the Braves were good, they weren't filling the seats. So there's something, yep. there's something big about that, and it's not that you don't have disposable income there. It's the fact that nobody's from there. Folks from Chicago, New York, but they're not from there. They didn't grow up being a Hawks Braves fan or a Falcons fan. And I think that should have been more of the discussion and is really says a lot about who they have in their infrastructure, who's positioned to actually talk about how do you market to a community like that. So I think it needs to be a little bit – it wasn't nuanced enough, but I have many more problems with Terry's comments. Yeah, and I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, and I agree, I, I, agree with, I agree with both of y'all. I think both of y'all came with it with some really great points. Um, the the thing that I'll add before we close out this conversation and we transition into discussing um, the Ray Rice situation is that I was having a conversation with somebody about this particular issue, and their response was society is uh, too too politically correct. You have to be too politically correct. And I said I don't think it's so much that society is too politically correct. I think it's, society is more openly diverse than it has ever been. So you can't just say anything and not expect some sort of a, a backlash from some population because now more populations have a voice than ever, I think, in the history of this country. When you talk about different sex, different uh, enclaves within the country, having a, a legitimate voice, having access to media, having, having a space to be able to vent when they feel wronged is at a place where it's never been in the history of the United States. Um, and I think because of that, Again, a locker room is a very different environment, and because it's a homogenous environment, there are things that are going to be said and happen in a, a sports men's locker room or even in a women's locker room that aren't going to be said in mixed company. And so as, you, as the culture and the country continue to diversify, people just got to be careful about what they say. And I think it's not so much about being politically correct, it's just about being aware. Um, so that's another piece. I still don't necessarily think this is one of those situations where um, anything was said that necessarily warranted um, this dude having to voluntarily come up off of his squad. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's uh, you know, I, go ahead, D. No, so one of the things I, I want to say is is – Part of being able to have a conversation around race is to allow civil discourse. Like you can't, you can't, you can't have a conversation around late race if people can't stumble, right? You, you can't, yeah. you can't have that. And so, if we don't allow for folks to to stumble in order to really get to learn about each other, then you not you're never going to have those kind of real conversations, and I think part of what we're learning, uh, I think the NBA and some of the stuff we're seeing in the NFL now is, you know, really going to force a conversation about how do you get everybody engaged at the table? How do you change the power dynamics that happen in these leagues? Um, how, how have historical business practices now been exposed? Because everybody who's made money, if you made billions of dollars, then you've done something crazy, crazy or shady along the way. You know, the Joe Kennedy thing is still alive. That if you have if you have the ability to get there, there's something that you've been able to negotiate around that 
Normal people would question around ethics for you to get to that point. You'd be hard-pressed to find that. And so and, and that meant you were able to succeed and get over on some segment of the population. That, you know, that's, that's the reality of people who make that kind of money. Agreed. So this leaves me at a point where, you know, I was prepared. I won, I won one of my fantasy football matchups. And this week I was prepared to come out with this really Chappelle-level, like, <laughs> post for my fantasy football league, man. I made friends <laughs> and everything. I was ready to put some stuff out there. I was like, I had to push the pause button. Because I came to the realization, they just made a rich white man come up off of his franchise for some stuff he said two years ago. I better fall back. <laughs> I don't want to the internet is forever. I don't want this coming back with a cat in a couple of years, and I'm trying to get that promotion. <laughs> <laughs> you remember them jokes he was making in the fantasy football chat room? Yeah, we don't like those. <laughs> you know, you know, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. If you're trying to be upperly mobile in 2014, you gotta watch. You gotta protect your neck. Uh, you listen to Real Sports Guys. RealSportsGuys.com. RSG. Renegade Radio. Brought to you by Resistance Digital Solution. All guests and hosts appear via the Fetchers Accounting Gateway. Fetchers Accounting, number one accountant in the state line area. Sponsors of the Real Sports Guys are official accountants. When you hit them up, make sure you let them know that the Real Sports Guys sent you, and they'll treat you real well. All right? So, Ray Rice. Um, for those of you that don't know, let me get you up to speed real quick. Had an incident with his uh, then-fiance, now-wife, um, a couple of months back um, in Atlantic City, um, which at the time resulted in a video being released by TMZ, of Ray Rice dragging his unconscious fiance uh, out of an elevator. Um, charges were filed. The legal system took its process. Uh, in the end, you know, he played guilty to some charges, had to go take a, a class, um, and once he completed the class, the charge would be removed from his record. Roger Goodell, the NFL, reviewed everything that they were able to review from the case, decided to suspend him for two games. Outrage. People were upset about that. People thought that that wasn't significant enough of a suspension simply because guys get four games for PEDs. Guys get four games for marijuana use. Um, guys get a lot harsher sentences um, from the NFL, from Roger Goodell, for what society deems as a lesser crime. We're talking about, you know, domestic violence. For a lot of folks, that's a, that's a hot-button issue, and that's something that should be taken fairly seriously. Um, so at this particular point, about about a month or so has passed, and Ray Rice is serving his first game of his two-game suspension. You know, he goes into work on a Monday after the team's first game, and then it changed the locks, you know. necessarily the punch or more so her hitting the elevator, be the way she wound up unconscious, uh, which is just not a good look for anybody involved. Um, where are you at with this whole situation, PhD? 
<clears throat> the video was it was tough to see, and you know clearly clearly it's a very ugly situation. Um, you know, been hearing it hearing about it for the last few days, and <clears throat> you know I at this point my my focus has shifted to um television places like ESPN and other sports channels into why are they continuously showing this this video yesterday i watched espn for probably on and off maybe a total of 15 minutes throughout the day yesterday i probably saw that video um, pieces of that video probably close to 10 times. And I just happened to turn on ESPN in random place, random times in the morning and then You know, I I saw the the young lady's statement on uh, Ray Rice's wife and, you know, it's, to me, at some point, I feel like the network may have more discretion in deciding how often they were going to show Paul George's broken ankle and and leg a few months ago or a few weeks ago when that happened, then this situation of domestic violence. um, That's an excellent point. You know, both of them were very difficult to watch, but clearly one is much, much more disturbing, um, which is the domestic violence. I mean, clearly watching Paul George... That's something you look at and you just, ooh, you look away and it just makes you sick. The domestic violence piece with, with Ray Rice makes you even more sick. And I just struggled with how much they were showing this. Clearly, if people want to see it, they can see it. You can go out on the Internet, uh, TMZ, they're not going to take it down. That's, <laughs> that's not what they're about, <laughs> okay? But <laughs> right. I just... I just held places like ESPN in a higher standard. And maybe it's not fair to single them out. I'm sure other outlets were showing it just as much, if not more. Um, I just didn't happen to see it. Um, so I've kind of shifted towards, you know, what happened with the actual story to, to now the aftermath because, you know, families have to see this over and over. The two people that were involved have to see this over and over. And, you know, it's it's just you try to pick up the pieces and move forward like they had as a couple a few months ago when this thing first came out or however long ago it was, um, then it almost felt scripted. It felt like TMZ probably purchased this and obtained it weeks ago, but they figured out when can we get the maximum punch. Okay, opening weekend of football. You know, let's not do it on Sunday. Let's do it early Monday morning. <laughs> and I don't know that. That's the part of it that there's many parts that troubles me, but this is a side of it, uh, what I'm talking about that I haven't heard much in the national media. Everything else we've heard, you know, and and the listeners, you know, when you're listening to this, you've heard everything else. So we're just trying to bring a fresh take with it. Yeah, and with that fresh take, I have to ask the question, um, what new information was given? You know what I mean? I mean, the NFL upped their suspension. The Ravens released Ray Rice. Didn't they already know he punched her? 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the thing that I'm looking at this like, y'all already knew he punched her. Y'all already knew he punched her in the elevator. How do you think she got knocked out? I mean, you didn't need to see what happened inside to know that piece of it. Y'all already levied the suspension. Why double down all of a sudden because now the video is out? And to me, that is what, of the whole situation, is just as sickening as what happened in that elevator is that the NFL is just so money-driven. And these leagues, even the NBA, these leagues are so money-driven. You know, you go back to the Donald Sterling situation. Donald Sterling been a racist. That cat, been, I mean, real racism. Not just, I don't like you because you're black. I'm saying this out of my mouth, calling you names, and I feel a certain kind of way. But I'm actually, you know, systemically limiting your life options. That's real racism. And then you got this this instance where it doesn't become, it doesn't go to a certain level for the NFL until it be, it, it looks like it's going to hurt. When this video came out, it was like, okay, y'all went way easy on this guy. Now, in order to save face and not lose sponsorship and not continue to catch flack, y'all just going to send him away. Y'all just going to push him off in the corner and be like, okay, you just got to go. You got to go away. All right, we dealt with it. Now leave us alone. That's how I felt the NFL has responded and the Baltimore Ravens have responded. Okay, we're just going to get rid of them. All right, we're done with it. And ultimately, who is that helping? You know, all these folks coming out talking about they care about Ray Rice. They, they you know, the, the organization, the NFL. They, they, get that brother some counseling. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you care, get that family some counseling. Care. Facilitate some healing within this, this family unit if you care. But y'all just pushing him to the side, releasing his brother, and putting him on the streets is basically just y'all saying, listen, we don't want no bad PR. Because, again, you, you knew there's no, there's no new information offered by this video. And as you said, you know, people profiting on it, showing it a hundred sometimes. The whole situation, to me, has, has brought a black cloud over the first week of NFL action and is another black eye for the NFL, which obviously will heal once game start, once Thursday hits and game starts being played again, people are going to forget about it. But this is another situation where the NFL, and in particular, in particular, Roger Goodell, who more and more seems to be flying by the seat of his pants with this, there needs to be a process. There needs to be a process for these suspensions and penalties to be levied by a a larger group of people because he can't handle this responsibility. He can't. And if I'm him, I don't want the responsibility anymore because he's being put in situations where he's got to be judge, jury, and executioner, and he's got a lot of other stuff on his plate. And there are going to be times when he drops the ball and he dropped the ball in this particular instance. There's yeah. no if, ands, or buts about it. But it's one of those things where, you know, you tell a lie to cover up a lie, to cover up another lie. And it's like they're trying to constantly make it right, make it right, and then you, you just keep looking worse and worse and worse. You know, it's like those people that get plastic surgery on their face. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you get something done. And then in order to make that look right, you got to get something else done. 
And in order to make that look right, you got to get your eyes done. So now you got a crazy looking nose, you got plastic lips, and your cheekbones is by your eyebrows. You know, rest in peace, rest in peace, John. Yeah. Just had to yeah. throw it out there. Yes. And in the end, you don't look like what you, what you were trying to accomplish is just not happening. And that's why I feel about this situation. Um, from a different perspective. I just I find it sickening that the NFL, with no new information, decided to throw the book at this guy. When if that's how you felt, you should have done that two months ago. You know, if you felt he should have been released, if you felt, you know, he should have been suspended indefinitely, that should have happened back when it was when you were levying all of these penalties on these different guys. You should have done that then. Now, because everybody is seeing it, that just tells me this was about money. In the same way people knowing that people outside of the NBA circle knowing that Donald Sterling was a racist was about money. And money trumps all. You can't mess with a rich white man's money. Period. You can you you cannot do that. You know, that is that is that is the rule. That is the rule. You cannot do that. You do that, you gotta go. You got to go. So it's an unfortunate situation all around. In the end, there is a family behind all of this. You know, we're talking about it. People are talking about it. But these are two human beings um, in a relationship trying to be a family. Um, and there's a lot of healing that has to take place for that unit uh, to continue to go forward. Um, I wish them some sort of peace. Um, I wish them to be able to figure out how to heal and go forward. Um, that's what I want for them um, at this particular point because, you know, I think everybody else needs to take a step back and just remember that. You know, these are two people, and domestic violence is horrible. It is awful. Um, and it's something that doesn't and should never happen in society, but it does. As all things that happen, though, it's how we move forward and how we figure out what we're going to do next. Um which are the things that will be judged by in the end. And so that's what I think everybody needs to look to now is, you know, instead of weighing a, an opinion on the couple, weighing an opinion on their situation, what can be done to help th- these two people um, become whole again, um, I think is what's most important in my opinion. Um, so we're going to cap this edition of the Funky Editorial. Again, the Funky Editorial is brought to you by On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois. We're going to transition into the dog of the week. I'm going to hit y'all off. We're going to pay some bills, and then we're going to come back with that. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital dog of the week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at for your custom technology solutions today. 
All right, all right. You're back listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG, the renegades in the house, the people's champions of sports radio. I got the crew back in the mix. About to hit you off with the dogs of the week. D. Wills, you know how it goes. We need more dogs. There's not I'm many times. Oh, you got to jump in? No, I'm sorry. Go right ahead, Devon. I'm, I'm off my game. Oh. I'm off. I'm a little rusty, man. Go right ahead. Oh, I, I, you, 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 must have a, you must have a serious dog you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you, your dog is going to bark this week. <laughs> There's not many times that the dog of the week isn't an individual. This is a team I've been hard on, and – they showed me something. Now, I don't know where it's going to go after week one. And a lot of you fantasy people who start dropping and dumbing because whatever you see in week one, you're crazy. But the Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady, Belichick, come to town. And this is the kind of game that Tom just figures out how to pull out. It just hurts your heart. And that front line, the way they play, it's funny that the people talk about luck, but when you look at Tannehill's numbers and you compare luck over their first couple of seasons, this young kid gets no credit. But if you consider where they were a year ago and, and, and still got a long season, I like what I saw. I, they look like a team. As Bo Schenbecker says, he's sick. The team, the team, the team. They look like a team. At a time when Belichick gets so much love, even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl since uh, the first Reagan was president. I mean, the first uh, Bush was president. He, it, it just, it, I, I love it. So the Dolphins. Love it, man. And that might be the last time I ever mentioned the Dolphins. <laughs> all right, all right. So you, D. Wills is coming in with a nomination of the Miami Dolphins, PhD. We need more dogs. So my... I have two dogs of the week. First one is Serena Williams. She won yet another, her sixth U.S. Open, her 18th Grand Slam championship. I mean, she is on the Mount Rushmore of tennis players, period, regardless of gender. Um, my second dog of the week is the shameless plug is per- Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin for the Seattle squad. Seattle looked excellent last Thursday. And Percy Harvin was targeted seven times. He caught seven passes. They rushed him four times. He came up with a total all-purpose yards of 160 yards. And in our league that Marcus and I are in, um, he came up with 17.5 fantasy points. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I'm really interested in a running back that the game changer has in I made an offer for Percy Harvin, offering out Percy Harvin for Shane Vereen in our point per reception league. <laughs> so, I just I want to take this opportunity to say that Percy Harvin was kind of my dog of the week, um, but also just to, to let Marcus know that he's still available um, if, if you'd like to move him for Shane Vereen. I'm not interested, bro. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I'm keeping shame. I'm keeping shame. Oh, man. My dog of the week. 
for my my dog of the week, I am going with Team USA Hoops, man. Um, this is a team that was uh, much maligned before uh, the the FIBA FIBA tournament began. Uh, the I'm using air quotes here on this radio, but you know it's a podcast. But um, I got my air quotes up in the air. The World Cup, the World Cup. Um, So it looks like we're going into uh uh to our uh to our fantasy football segment um, and trying to make sure that we are uh getting going. Uh I thought I heard uh game changer knock that out uh all together. Um, and uh you know, trying to check in with my boy Phil, how you doing? Doing well, Devon. Doing well. Yeah, it's uh you know, uh I heard you talking about uh trying to get your trades in. I, I got uh hammered this weekend. But, you know, one of the things that I've I've come to realize is don't let the don't let week one drive you to do anything crazy. So I've been trying to hold off because, you know, you know, the unknown guy from East Tennessee State that everybody's picking up um, and thinks that's going to be the next hit, uh, you start chasing fool's goals. So I've been very focused on not chasing gold this week. So that's been one of those things coming out of this kind of fantasy first weekend that's been uh, something that I – I've been trying to, to run with, so I, I, I see you doing you, you're doing moves already. You know, I'm not, you, you try to sell Percy while he's high. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where to hold on. Man, don't nobody want people. Percy Harvin. I ain't interested in no Percy Harvin. I'm not interested in no Percy Harvin. But Devon, I am interested in knowing who you got for your showed up and showed out for week one. Who you got? Who who balled for you? I, you know what, man? I had a whole bunch of. I looked at that. I had a whole bunch of lukewarm. You know, when I when Ooh. I look at it, and I hate I hate to say it, I had a whole bunch of. They were lukewarm this week. It wasn't like the, the killer that showed out was sitting on my bench. So for some <laughs> reason, I thought you know. I, I believe in the Ryan jinx, like not the 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 Matt Ryan, because I had Matt Ryan. I sat him on the bench thinking he was going up against New Orleans, and that other Ryan over there, he was a coordinator, might giving him a hard time. And that cat went along. I think he scored like thirty something fantasy points. I had him sit on the bench, and then I put Ben in. I'm thinking against Cleveland at home. Damn, Mike. 
and I took it on the chin. At that moment, I knew I was going to have a bad week. And so I didn't really – I had – when I looked at it and I assessed it, I had a whole bunch of – because I looked at this, I had a whole bunch of lukewarm, you know, in a, in a way that, that, that just, just did not make me feel right. The person that disappointed me, probably in solid but didn't do the kind of numbers I wanted was LaShawn McCoy. Now, Sproles got me something, but LaShawn McCoy was underperforming for me. Now, I'm not going to panic on him, but I kind of know more for him, and he didn't really give it to me. But yes, the one who showed out yes, was going to panic. You're going to panic. I'm not going to panic. You're just Stan Van Gundy of fantasy football, D. <laughs> I'm that cat that makes that late run on folks. Everybody thinks I'm out. I don't know, Devon. Make the playoffs. I don't know, Devon. That's your battle cry. That's being battle cry for so long. I'm gonna make a run, and you know, it's at some point if you're always five and twelve, if you're always five and twelve or four and eight, maybe that's who you are. Right. Over here, Rex Ryan and us. <laughs> you know, you know I mean, at some point, you may have to, you may have to switch up the style. I'm gonna let you know. When I look at when I look at my history, I got trophies sitting up there, and so I, I, I would I would take this as a challenge that I will. What's the most? Out of. What's the most recent? What's the most recent year on those trophies? I mean, are we are we talking about championships? Kind of like the. You know, the Patriots, like, yeah, we won 10 years ago, or? Oh, recent years. I think, what, the last year before I got one. Got one. Man, man, D. Uh, was on that, he on that Illmatic, man. You know, every day <laughs> now was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's ill-matic. Every next album is one. This, this one's going. This one's going to bring it back. Ill-matic <laughs> <laughs> on this one, right, D? Oh, uh, see, I'm the one taking shots. I'm the one taking shots. Like they say, I shall return. I shall return. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Ray, I want to get. Uh, I'll take this week for showing up. Who you got, PAD? Huh, Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford had an excellent week. He showed up and he yes. showed out. That's a guy who, in my two, so I'm in two different, actually three, two quarterback leagues this year, and I have him in two of those leagues, and in one of the leagues. Ryan Owens, sorry to put you out there. I went to bed Sunday or Monday night. No, Sunday, just thinking I had no shot. I was down 30 points. He had two guys going, and all I had was Matt Stafford going. Matt Stafford put up 40-plus points for me, and I squeaked out a win in in, uh, in Eric's Guru's League. So Matt Stafford is a guy I'm really excited about. You know, the thing with him, though, is can he stay healthy? Last year he stayed healthy the whole year, but his his career trend certainly has not been that. So he 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 might be a guy that I look to move. If he has another really good week, I might look to move him, you know, week three to try to fill up some other holes in my lineup. I'm learning some strategy. 
Sometimes you gotta. So for me, I I just don't like like I like more of a diversification. So if I okay. have a person such as Sean McCoy, I had him last year, and actually a better example is probably Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles had two mega games in his first three weeks. I moved him in the PPR league and picked up Brandon Marshall. Um, and also I picked up a quarterback. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think um, it was a pretty decent quarterback, middle row quarterback. Plus I got a tight end as well. It was uh, Julius uh, Thomas. I got him early in the season. So I moved all three of those guys for Jamal Charles. And Jamal Charles ended up having a really good year, but I just don't like to put all my eggs in one basket with one guy. You know, especially if they start out really hot, I like to move them and get a couple of extra players. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. Well, you gave me a little strategy I might deploy here. I'll let you see how it works out. <laughs> let you hear it. I'm going to deliver that one for you. I think you just gave me something. I'm 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 exploring my options. Uh, I think you just handed me uh, a little bit. It's always nice to to be around cats who think strategically. Uh, like that, even though uh, I will bring my list of champions uh, uh, when I when I next time I I, I run into y'all because yeah, I, I got to share on my list now. I, you know I don't want them I want them in the, uh, the 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 number of runs that y'all go on, like y'all go on a three sport run, like y'all went in football, then basketball, you'll come back in baseball, like you know I, I don't I don't do it like that, but I get my runs going and I'm always in there. You know, so but I, I like that strategy. I'm about to deploy that one. Um, okay. In early weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put that one in there in the mix. You know, you, you, you also gotta watch Marcus though. When you know Marcus be trying to play those games, so I don't know how you're trying to move with him because he he'll give you a dud or two. Hey, it, it is what it is, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, now it is what it is. You know, see, I, I think I think I, I developed a, a, a reputation early on, Marcus, where I put together some trades because it's been like four years since I could get a trade, and legitimate trades with folks. Well, Devon, your trade offers, man. So, so Devon, you have the strategy with your trade offers. At least this is my perception of your trade offers. Having played probably ten different fantasy seasons with you across a couple of sports. You send out these crappy trade offers, these lopsided trade offers, because your philosophy is, you know, it's just a starting point. Man, in 2014, yeah. with family and jobs and, and kids and all that stuff, man, nobody had time for that. I mean, I get an offer from Devon, like, okay. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> again, you man, that philosophy dance. You can't dance for one round? You can't dance for one round? Like no comment. Nobody dances dances with you, so maybe you need to change your philosophy. (laughs) I mean, what what is it? That's part of fantasy. Come on, come back and give me something. All right, I will tell you. I'm not arguing with your strategy. I'm arguing the effectiveness of your strategy. Yeah, it's not working. I definitely will change it. (laughs) You know, like I put out 50 offers. And I don't even get anybody to respond to them. Well, you know, 
Now, if you offer a Percy Harvin for Shane Vereen, and you tell the guy, hey, I want Vereen, let me know what you need. You know, you you expect for the guy to at least come back and say, I don't want Harvin, but how about, you know, Matt Stafford? How about somebody else? You know, that, Devon, I think you can expect. They put to the movie uh, Vereen. <laughs> I like. Let me let me, let me just clarify. I, I, I like Shane Vereen. I think he's gonna have a big year as long as he stays healthy. Um, and here's the, here's the other thing I want to talk about while we're talking about NFL Week One. Yahoo, Yahoo, the draft guy, the draft analyzer. I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. I think the draft analyzer is culturally biased. It's a culturally biased test, man. Every draft I was in, I got like a C. I got like a C, but I'm running things, man. I'm doing big things in my league, man. My team's bald. Culturally biased. My team's bald. I got like a B, and I'm like, man, I haven't gotten a B in the class in a long time. I looked at that, and I was like, what's going on? Man, I got a, I got a D in one draft. I got a D in one draft, fellas. I got a D. You want to know how many team, how many points my team scored in the first week? <laughs> this D team, based on Yahoo standards, plus 140 points in this league. That's a lot. I, I had the highest score of the week. The guy I beat had 131 points. He had to beat everybody else except me. All right. But that's a D team, right? That's a D team. You know, I had Stafford going, Giovanni, Bernard. You know what I mean? I, I, man, I killed my drafts, man. Yahoo don't know what they're talking about, man. Even Antonio Gates, old self. You know, how you get injured on the off week? <laughs> Gates was fine two weeks ago. They played. He ain't played in two weeks. And now I'm saying he's questionable. What were you doing when you was off? <laughs> How you go from fine to questionable after being off? I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. Man, we totally that's, digressed, that's, though. That's, we got to get back into it. We got to get back into it. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead. And go new faces and new places. What guys who switched teams or what rookies impressed you in their debut with their new team? Uh, PhD, why don't you go first? I'm going to go with two guys. Steve Smith Sr. I I picked him up in two of my leagues, just just literally took a flyer on the guy, and he had a huge week one. There was something about Steve Smith. He got interviewed a few times in the summer, and he just had this look on his face and this chip on his shoulder that, you know what, okay, Carolina, you want to get rid of me? I still have something to prove. The second guy that I looked at, um, new face and new places, will be the Benjamin wide receiver, the kid Benjamin from Florida State that's playing in Carolina. He's a guy that I picked up towards the end of all my drafts, and he looked so good with Derek Anderson, man. I mean, he he looked like he might be able to make an impact like A.J. Green and Julio Jones made a few years ago. I know that's big, but... I believe that Cam Newton's going to make the next step, and this kid might be a key benefactor of that. Yeah, it was one league you didn't get him in, though. I know for sure it was one league you didn't get him in because I got him because I was on him, too. I like yeah. the kid. Um, you know, he's getting a lot of targets. from. Uh, no matter, it seems like no matter who's the quarterback, Derek Anderson threw the ball his way a ton. 
Um, I saw that in preseason. He was getting a ton of targets. I watched a couple of the Panthers preseason games just by chance. And I was like, yo, man, I got to get this kid, you know. Um, so I, I targeted him late in a, lot of, in a lot of drafts, and I got him, and he played well for, for week one. Um, I'll go. Um, one guy uh, I think who uh, show who did his thing in week one who's in a new place with Darren Sproles. Um, Darren Sproles is another guy who I tried to sneak in and grab later in drafts um, simply because he's going into that Chip Kelly offense, and you thought this guy was dangerous in Sean Payton's system. And Chip Kelly's offense with a guy like Sean McCoy where they can mix and match and do different things with the backs, um, I just thought he's going to – I just think he's going to have a big year. Um, being able to do a lot of things, catching the ball out of the backfield, getting some runs here and there. He had a big, big touchdown run this week. I expect him to continue to do those kind of things. He's going to be a big home run threat in that offense um, under Chip Kelly. So I like, I like what I saw from uh, Darren Sproles and his, uh, his new digs. Uh, D. Wills, who do you got? Uh, you know, you hit buying with Sproles, um, and for all the reasons you said. But I think one of the things I'll say, a new face that was a dud in a new place was McConnell. He threw an interception so bad. His debut was so terrible. I, I want Stephen A. Smith on that voice. His stuff was so terrible. It was right. Uh, the, the look on, the look He's a good friend of mine, like, and I and, 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 and I know Josh McCown. I know Josh McCown. <laughs> <laughs> I said, my goodness, he, McCall, man, was like, in love here, it looked like I've been bamboozled. What happened to the guy? <laughs> you know, the look on Lovey's face was classic, man. Uh, that was a dub. But, yeah, Sproles, I just knew he was going to put his clown suit on. And early in that game, it was like, uh-oh, uh, they look like they're struggling. And he just opened up on something. So, yeah, I, that one was one that I uh, I kind of just got my eyes on. Um, so I'll take that. Okay. So I'm going to lead, lead off with D. Wills on this one. Um, your top three, every week we're going to do our renegade rankings. We're going to give you our top three teams in the league based upon what we saw from uh, the last time we were on in the podcast. Now, you know, the podcast is going to be moving to a more biweekly kind of a format. So what that means is it's going to be a little bit of a, a time for us to evaluate, assess. You know what I mean? So – D. Wills, I want you to go first. Your top three teams in the league after week one, starting number three going up. No, number three going – number three going up. Um, well, and I hate to do this because it's so, it's so early uh, in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the league. Um, one that's kind of – that, that is a surprise, and I'm going to be surprised I'm going to say this but it's because of where they're situated and how I saw other teams in their division play. Um, number three, you're going to be surprised by this, is – I can't believe I'm going to say it. Well, no, I'm not even going to say it. I'll put them at four because I can't say it like that. Well, I'm going to say it I just want three. I just want three. I just want three. I'm I want going to say it anyway, which I am surprised I'm going to say this, but it's because – just say it. Detroit at three, for reasons I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say after week one. Denver at two, and then number one, Seattle. Okay, okay. I can respect that. You got Detroit three, Denver two, Seattle number one. That's what you saw. These will evolve. That's the whole point of doing this is 
I think the listeners will get to see how our top threes evolve as the season goes. Again, it's going to be physical. You can only go by what you saw. All right? P.A.C., your top three. d Rev got his hand in my pocket. Detroit Lions at three. Detroit Lions at three. I, I don't think the Giants are as bad as everybody thinks they are. The Giants will will fight for a playoff position in the NFC East. I don't know if they'll get it, but they're not as horrible as they as folks think they they are. I'll go Denver at two, and also to D. Wills to get his hand out of my pocket, and I will go Seattle at one. And at this point, I'm fighting D. Wills because his hand is in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I think we're all we're, we're all gonna be a little bit similar on these because you know it was week one and we saw what we saw. I'm gonna go diff- a little bit different. I'm going with San Francisco. Um, I watched what they did to uh, to the uh, Cowboys and that was pretty sickening. I mean, the Cowboys really didn't have a chance. Um, they kind of put it on them. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a beat down for real. Some punks jumped up and they got beat down in San Fran. So I got San Francisco as my number three. My number two team. I actually am sticking to AFC. I'm going with Philadelphia. I'm going with the Eagles. Um, Jacksonville had them down 17-0. They ran off a 34-0 run. <laughs> That's what you call making a run, D-Will. That's what you call about making a run. <laughs> That's kind of run I thought I used they were in trouble. Hey, that's, yeah, that's the kind of run you need to go on. <laughs> you got 17-0. <laughs> Get back in the game, bro. Uh, no, all jokes aside, the Eagles were down, and I thought they were in trouble. And to watch that score slowly turn around, um, I, I think the Eagles, the Eagles are going to be a, an explosive, explosive team this year. And, of course, my number one has to go to the Seattle Seahawks, dominating the pre, a very good, in my opinion, team in the Green Bay Packers. Just manhandled them. Um, Russell Wilson, they're letting him sling the rock a little bit. Um, Daryl Bevel's calling, making some great play calls. The offense looks real nice. Beast mode was in full effect. And Richard Sherman didn't see a ball all night. I mean, for all the slack that he gets for only playing one side of the field, the Packers, the, one of the best, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he's in the conversation for sure, a very short conversation. Aaron Rodgers did not throw his way once an entire game. He took away half the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? He literally took away half the field, whether it was by game plan or not. They didn't throw to half of the field. <laughs> that is, that, that's making a team play offense in a bandbox. That's, that's a special gift. You know what I mean? So I got Seattle as my number one. Um, so we all differ a little bit. We had some similarities. All right? So let's transition, fellas. Well, first, before we transition, again, another new kind of thing that we're going to do this, this, this football season is double up, double down. All right. Between now and the next time, we'll drop a podcast, and then we're going to pick a team that's going to go double down, 0-2 during that span. So, PhD, I'm going to let you start first. Who's going 2-0? The Buffalo Bills will go 2-0. Why, my friend? Why? I like them at home against the Dolphins. The Bills' defense looked pretty solid, and (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think E.J. Manuel is getting better. He's growing, and 
I think he might be a quarterback that experiences some of the highest slope of improvement in any given week from week to week. Um, I then liked them against the Chargers the following week. They have them at home as well. So those are two teams, or that's one team. The second team will be the Broncos. Now, the Broncos host the Chiefs this coming week, but it may be a surprise pick that I'm taking them to go 2-0 and because they have to go into Seattle um, two weeks from uh, during week three. So, to me, I believe they have the ability to go in there and shut that down. And their offense is looking excellent. <laughs> Peyton Manning, I don't think he's going to be scared of Richard Sherman. I, I feel like they're going to try to do what they do, and I think they're going to be successful um, playing their style of ball. And Monty Ball is going to have a huge game against the Seahawks. Yeah, Monte, my, Monty, Monte, that boy need to figure out how he want people to say his name. <laughs> <laughs> when he was at Wisconsin, it was Monte. He get to the league as Monte. Make up your mind. <laughs> You're confusing me. <laughs> All right, I give my I give my double up. My double up is New England. They're going on the road against Minnesota. I'm an explosive Minnesota team. But I think Belichick is going to have Matt Castle's number. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those games where I made you, I can break you. You know, I made he he made Matt Castle hot. He he earned Matt Castle a lot of bread, and he's going to break him. That New England defense is looking pretty tough, um, even though they lost against Miami. Miami, you know, Miami surprised some people. I think Miami going to be is going to be much better than uh than I think we thought they were going to be. You know, I think D. Wills is spot on with that assessment. But I like New England to bounce back and win their next two. They're going on the road in week two against Minnesota, and then they come back home, and then they go against Oakland. So uh, the Raiders, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Raiders. I haven't had faith in the Raiders in quite some time. Um, that's just going to continue. That's just the way it is. So, D. Wills, you're double up. Give me your team that's going to go 2-0. and Well, I mean, I think an easy one, but no one said it because I guess they're the, the defending uh, champs uh, would be um, uh, the Seattle uh, Seahawks. I, you know, I think they're going to have a tough matchup against San Diego um, coming up, but I think they rise to those kind of challenges, um, and I think they will uh, be able to, um, you know, put things together and, and, and make a run. I think they're going to make a run uh, for a, a while. Um, and then um, – you know they, they're gonna break my heart, so I just can't keep doing. Think I'm, I'm I'm just gonna keep doing this, but I, I guess I'll just keep doing it to myself. Um, I think Detroit might go on a little run here because um, they play the Carolinas their next game at home, and I think wait wait wait, wait 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 wait. I only have one team, D Wills. <laughs> oh, I was jumping. I was following directions. I will leave it alone. I you only wanted one team to go two and zero. Oh. You uh, said Seattle. You done. I, I, He's trying to Seattle. I just, add extra teams and stuff, to, man. Come on. Man, I, I'm flustered because I, I got the red zone, man, and I have so much more to say. <laughs> <laughs> this dude just got NFL information coming out of his ears right now. He's got red zone. <laughs> Sunday was the best. You had the red zone, and then you had Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter at D Wills, at R-E-D-D Wills, but I did say you can't beat 
Red Zone, and Schoolhouse Rock. That is a complete day. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right I got you, I got you. Well, why don't you lead us off that you're so eager to give us another team. Give us your double down. So who's going on to over the next two weeks? Man, that's a that's a that's a uh that's a tough one. Well, I would say uh Cleveland. Uh because they gotta play New Orleans, even though they play I just think they're gonna be scrappy, but they're gonna lose. It's just it, it there is a we are destined to see the money hands. We destined. I was better ready to pull the hook, they battled back. Um but I, you know, I think, and it's unpopular. I think that's the most likely one to do. But I think Cleveland might be one that goes on its zero and two, and they shouldn't the way they play. But I got a feeling that that tough loss is going to send them into a spiral. Okay, okay, all right. A PhD, you double down. Team to go zero and two over the next two weeks. Philadelphia Eagles. Sorry, sorry, game changer. Ooh, oh my goodness. They got a primetime game against the Colts this coming Sunday night. I feel like the Colts aren't going to go on to. And so that's why I feel as if the Eagles will lose. And then the Eagles have a huge matchup against the Redskins coming week three. I think RG3 has another dub this coming week, but then he breaks out the butt whooping, uh, the can of butt whoop against the Eagles in week three. The Eagles, the Eagles lose the next two weeks. Had, 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 okay. had they finally left tackle over there with Washington? Because somebody missing an action the way they kind of, he was getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I hey, hey RG3 better, <laughs> better get it together. He's going to be like Trent Richardson. He's going to wake up one morning and be traded. <laughs> Daniel Snyder is his owner. Daniel Snyder is his owner. Um, my double down, team to go 0-2 over the next two weeks, the Baltimore Ravens. It's just a distraction. You want to talk about distractions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a right? You know, you're running this games. This is a their first game. They, they will be on, at home in a grudge match, a rivalry game, which means you throw all that at-home, on-the-road stuff out of the window against Pittsburgh in week two. Then they're going to come back, and they're going to, in week three, face Cleveland. By that point, I think, as D. Will said, we might be seeing money hands, which means you ain't got no tape on this guy. And that's the last That's the last switch you're going to be in with a quarterback who is this blind. So I might when teams haven't prepared for him, that's why he's always good as a backup. He comes in those first four weeks and sets the world on fire. Why? Because people haven't seen him in their system. That's what Manziel is going to be able to do for his first couple of weeks. He's going to find some success. The same thing Tebow did. Tebow had some success because, again, we don't know what he's going to do. He's an improvisational quarterback. That's going to cause problems in the short term. So I think they're going to have a tough time with Manziel, uh, and we will see Manziel by week three. Um, because Cleveland is losing weapons by the moment. Ben Tate is doing Ben Tate things, which means he's injured. Um, Josh Gordon is still suspended. <laughs> and Jordan Cameron, their main tight end, their main target right now, he's on the men. So they're running out of weapons. you got to get a guy out there who can create on his own. You know, Brian Hoyer is a facilitator. 
facilitators are only good when there's people to get the ball to. And he ain't got nobody to get the ball to. Manziel can make water to wine. So that's what they're going to need. Um, so I got Baltimore as my team to go 0-2. So we're going to transition. You listen to the sports guys, whisportsguys.com, RSU Renegade Radio. Talk a little fantasy, then we're going to talk college football. Fellas, how'd your first week of fantasy go? All right. D-Wills, we kind of heard you're you, you going to make a run eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. We know. You're going to make your run. It'll be January. You still be talking about I'm going to make my run. <laughs> uh, I, I, you, you know the run is coming. What was your record? How many, give me how many leagues you in and what your record was for the first week. Who, we talking about me? Yeah. Are we asking you the question? <laughs> <laughs> Are we, uh, oh, I, lost, I lost both one and both very uh, – yeah, 0-1 in both. Coming out. So you 0-2. My first, my debut, so you went 0-2 this weekend. 0-2, 0-2, yep. Debut as a commissioner went down in a flame of just whatever. Yes, 0-2. Okay, you went 0-2. <laughs> oh my All right. goodness. Okay. So with your teams, I mean what, what was your strategy going into your draft? Who you got who, who you who you got right now? Uh, uh, so, so, so now I'm on the Tell me about these teams, teams that right lost. <laughs> Tell me about these teams that lost. You got me you feel like I'm on the couch. Yeah, it, 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 we got my boy Bill back in the background and laughing. Like I'm on the couch. Well, well, in one league, in one league, I started. I got. I had Brady at quarterback. I had Macklin, Percy Harvin, Lashawn McCoy, Frank Gore, Jason Witten. Then I had Stephen Jackson as the as the kind of the flex. Uh, San Francisco D, and then Bailey as a kicker. I mean, that's a that's a that's okay. a decent squad. They just didn't they didn't score. Brady didn't have his game. Uh, Gore didn't really do much. Uh, Witten usually get you, you know, seventy maybe a touch. Didn't do anything. Um, so it, it it was a league where cats, if they would have scored their average, I would have been I would I would have that would have been enough to do what they needed to do. Um, so, that was, so I have solid squads, but they didn't really perform at the Be will, You yeah. my man. You my man. One hundred grand. You be you thick and thin, bro. Your team old. <laughs> <laughs> if it was yeah. two thousand and eight, you got the squad. <laughs> right. Did you get draft advice from Cool Cleve? Cool Cleve is my father in and he played fantasy <laughs> basketball with us. And every year, Cool Cleve dra- drafts guys who are five years past their prime because he still knows who these guys are. <laughs> he drafted Paul Pierce like the second round for three straight years. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it sounded hey. like you got get drafted by the Cool Cleve. You got Brady, now, Frank Gore, Jason Witten. Now, 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 it sounds like, like you got Marvin Harris. Like you got Marvin Harris. I, I can tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like Devon, uh, Devon got too busy 
and didn't get a chance to put those four or five hours right before the draft that we all need to put in to get ready. That's what it sounds like. It did as well with old faithfuls. No, this was this was the league. You were there. I was I was I was uh Game Changer was there. I was it's my first time being the commissioner. And I had one guy I had to stay trying to get them all there. I had one guy on Skype. So I was doing it took me you remember that? It took me like two or three rounds to catch my my stuff. But at that time, at that point, you saw me catch my rhythm. Once I caught my rhythm, I kinda saved my lineup in whatever I could save it. The thing about Brady, I took Brady too high, if I look big about this, is I felt like defensively they were going to put him in a position to get more possessions. And their defense hasn't shown up. In, in some ways, it's been easier to stop him because their defense hasn't been able to stop a code. So I felt like he was going to have shorter fields. I felt like he does have a better defense. So I, 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 at the time when I took him, I thought he could do more. I think McCoy is a good one. I think Percy Harvin will have a decent uh, season. I think Macklin's a good pick. Uh, I think Gore's a little old, but I think Gore's still going to score some solid points. So, you know, I- I'm not down on the team. I got some folks on the bench I can play, but I'm not down on they the team. They are who we so thought they team. were. Uh, <laughs> I- 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 and in the other league, I just got a good team. I just sat Ryan on the bench. That's 30 some points. You know, I got I, Ryan is back in the starting lineup. So that loss so is on you, you, Coach. That loss that, is that on you, on Coach. Me. That <laughs> loss on me right there. That's a GM loss. Now, now, all if right, Ryan throws right. some interceptions, you get traded. Okay, okay. PAZ, how'd you do this weekend? I went three and one. Three and nice, one. Nice, you said I was, you said I was nice. Said I was I went three and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good stuff one. right there. And that's, that's good as I stuff. mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier, I thought I was going to go two and two, but I got that nice surprise. So I wanted to do multiple IDP leagues this year, but I only only gotten one. I'm really liking this IDP, man, because you can clean up the IDP and the two quarterback leagues. You can really clean up because half the league just isn't sure how to do it. So. This is very true. I don't this understand. The, I don't understand the concept of two quarterbacks. To me, that just now it feels like people are just going crazy. Like, why two quarterbacks? Well, it adds another twist. In my opinion, it adds a new twist. I think each year, really good weeks, you add something new to make the managers kind of think through something differently. Whether it's a point change or adding in bonuses or adding additional. Um, roster spot. So in this situation, um, in Tiffany's league, she added a kind of like an offensive player position where you can start mm-hmm. a tight end, running back, quarterback, or wide receiver. Now it makes more sense to start a quarterback because, you know, your third-tier quarterbacks are still going to get you 15 points normally each week where your top-tier wide receivers get you 15 to 20 points a week. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I like it because – it it fully changes the draft. So in the league that Marcus and I are in, this is the first year they're doing a QB league, and there's there's eight other managers. I'm pretty sure that maybe Marcus and I and the commissioner were the only three people who knew about exactly. <laughs> the And so you know, ESPN had an excellent site that showed you 
the difference between, you know, who you draft in the first five rounds in a standard league, who you draft in a PPR league, then they add a two-quarterback league. And two-quarterback league in the top 20 spots, typically there's 12 to 15 quarterbacks that should go. But in our, for example, Drew Brees was number one overall. I was drafting number eight, and I got Drew Brees. And people oh, just man. didn't, they just didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't get the memo. I, 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 I peeped game. Yeah, I did an auction, which I love the auction draft. I didn't think I was kind of scared, and I still think I kind of, I did, I, I think over time this season I'm going, I've, I've done well with the auction draft. I like the auction draft. I like that element of it. And I like IDP because IDP allows you, allows you to build your team in different ways. So I understood that the two quarterback one I couldn't. But I love. I was a little nervous about IDP when we were arguing and debating about it. But I, I love leagues that allow you to be creative in how you build your team. So there are some core things, but I think with IDP, if you really think through it, you can get some points in places that might be the equivalent to, you know, a, a running back or a t- you know, with some of these folks in terms of how you set your point system. So that part I, I liked. I couldn't understand the quarterback system. It just it it seems so unfootball like. I felt like when people went to that, it was like to have two quarterbacks, to have two yeah. quarterbacks on the, on the field. I, I get that. I, I I can understand that. I, I like it just because I found out about it for everybody else. Honestly, it can't be a competitive advantage. <laughs> Let's be real. You, you, you're trying to figure out how to win. I'm trying to get to that money. <laughs> uh, I went two and two. I went two and two in my uh, first week. Um, so I broke even at least. Um, you know, with the, with the league that uh, PhD and I are in together, you know, I, I I was up on the quarterback thing early. I got three great quarterbacks that I feel real good about. I got Aaron Rodgers, I got Cam Newton, and I got RG3. Um, I played RG3, didn't go so well. Um, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you know, he had a, a subpar day by his standards. Um, but I expect to be fine in that league. I expect to do really well. Um, the league that I got a D in, um, Yahoo, could be biased. <laughs> for the birds. Um, that, that, that league, and a lot of those leagues, I got Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Bernard as my main running back. And I usually couple them with another high retention back in the PPR leagues I'm in, uh, like C.J. Spiller or, or uh, Shane Vereen. Um, I waited on tight end, picked up uh, Antonio Gates in a lot of leagues late. Um, I also took a flyer on Wes Welker in a lot of leagues, picked him up late once the suspension, once, the, once he got that head injury and suspension, I kind of snuck in and grabbed him and just like, I'm going I'm to I'm sit on that one for a minute. You know, when he comes back, you know, I, I expect him to do big things. Um, the one thing I will say about Wes Welker, all right, if Wes Welker was 17, he would not be allowed to play any contact sports for pretty much the rest of his life. He would have a very difficult time getting a doctor in the United States to clear him as a 17-year-old in 2014. Yet and still, once his suspension is up, he will be back on the football field against some of the strongest men in the world, <laughs> catching passes over the middle, and it's all good. <laughs> so it's just the observation, just the observation. Okay. I mean, <laughs> just the observation, just the observation. So I want to transition real quick. You know, college football is transitioning, moving into this four-team playoff. Now, again, four teams, right? That's one, two, three, four. 
there are one, two, three, four, five major conferences. One, two, three, four, five major conferences vying for four spots. Now, any given year, when you look at the top four to five teams in the NCAA, oftentimes two of them are from the SEC. So we're looking at a situation that's going to get real interesting as the season progresses. But all we got are two weeks of information right now. So looking at the first two weeks of the five conferences, which conferences on the outside looking in, in your opinion right now, PhD? This, I hate to say it, but I think the Big Ten. The Big Ten had a tough, tough start. When you think about two two of their marquee teams in terms of the preseason rankings lost. And, you know, in Ohio State and Michigan State, Michigan State, they can rebound from that. They lost to a top-five program in Oregon on the road. However, Ohio State, I believe they dropped from being, you know, from being in the top five before um, the quarterback got hurt, then down to number eight this past week, and I think they are barely in the top 25 now at 22. So the Big Ten is going to have the most ground on the catch-up because I can see Florida State run the table potentially in the ACC. You probably are going to have two SEC teams. Um, and, you know, between the Pac-12 and Big 12, they may take that last spot. Okay. And when you're looking at, you know, you're probably an SEC team could probably get in with one loss, at least one loss, possibly two. Um, As you said, Florida State, they'll probably run the table in the ACC. Uh, For me, it comes down to Auburn, Georgia, Texas A&M, do they kind of keep climbing up, or do the SEC teams knock each other down? Um, so then only one gets in. But then you got Oklahoma, which I think will probably go undefeated in the Big 12. Um, so that's three spots. You got Florida State, SEC champ, and I think Oklahoma. Then you got Oregon. The Pac-12 is loaded. Um, you know, you got Oregon, USC, UCLA, um, Stanford in the mix. So that can go any any kind of different direction, Arizona State. Then the wild card, Notre Dame, could mess it all up for everybody. Two conferences could wind up <laughs> on the outside because <laughs> Notre Dame doesn't belong to a conference. If Notre Dame continues to look really good as they go through the schedule, uh, that, that could pose a problem. But I agree with you, PhD. Right now the Big Ten is on the outside as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think Notre Dame could sneak in and, and cause some major problems. D. Wills, what's your what, who's on the outside as far uh, for you? Well, I, I think the the uh, Harbaugh to Michigan movement is on the clock right now. Just officially started, so um, <laughs> uh, that was a bad performance. That didn't help. Uh, but I think ten. I I would disagree with the which team the losses that that could have helped the Big Ten. The Wisconsin loss against LSU after having a lead was a tough loss because if you get a Michigan State or Wisconsin win, that could create some relevance in a different way. Or Michigan State playing a little closer to Oregon and Wisconsin beating LSU, even with the Ohio State loss, the Big Ten could create something going down the stretch. I think that Wisconsin loss after having that big lead is a tough one along with the Michigan State loss. 
Ohio State, we knew they were wounded ducks, and they would have gotten criticism even if they kind of won, given that, you know, they they don't quite have the quarterback there. So people would have found a way uh, uh, to not put them in. So I think, yeah, the Big Ten is hurting, and, you know, people will have to figure out what to do in the Big Ten to get it ready, but they're out. But teams that we're not talking about, Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma could create an issue, um, if you think about that, along with Notre Dame, could leave it to one SEC team getting in, along with Florida State, and possibly if Oregon runs the table or if USC runs the table, then you could have a Pac-10. So you might have four teams from four different conferences legitimately represented in the, in the finals because if Oregon runs the table, there's some challenges down the table with the Pac-10. And then Oklahoma, uh, given what they did to Alabama, come in with some type of reputation that could allow them to find a space in the, in the, in the tournament. Okay, okay. Well, now we're going to transition to the XL Academics last word. Uh, this is a portion of the show where one of the hosts kind of takes a moment and just breaks down something that's been bothering them for a little bit. Um, I'm going to take it today, fellas. Uh, my mic is nice, so I'm going to go ahead and jump into it as we close out the show. Again, this idea of political correctness. Um, as we continue to try and progress as a society, and society becomes more diverse, we have to understand that it's not about being politically correct, it's about being aware. You have to be aware of who you're around, what you're saying, and how it may impact people. But we also have to create a space where tough conversations can be had, people can stumble, people can struggle with ideas and concepts that may be new to them, so that we can continue to grow in progress. We stifle the conversations, nobody gains anything, we don't move forward, and we remain stagnant in this place that we are right now. So, that's the last word for this week. This is the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, the people's champions of sports radio, signing off for this week. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. I'll be looking forward on the 23rd. We'll be back in full effect. Real Sports Guys, RSG, Renegade Radio. Check us out. Download the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. Peace.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.